So this weekend has been our family dedication, and Michelle, who is our children's pastor, and Megan, who is our director of nursery and preschool, they, ha- they do, uh, on a week-to-week basis, a great job of walking with families as they dedicate their families to provide uh, homes that honor Jesus. Uh, and by the way, hey, thanks for being here today. Uh, uh, here in the room, thanks for being with us online. If this is your first time with us, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. And we're starting, uh, very intentionally, coming off of family dedication, or as we're in family dedication, a series called Family Feels, because over the next six or so weeks, seven weeks, you're likely to have some time with your families. And so we wanted to kind of prepare you for that, brace for that impact. Uh, Next week is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so I'm going to be talking about how to be thankful and how to be content, because that'll not only help you on Thanksgiving, but also maybe on Friday and again on the following Monday, uh, specifically as we head into December. And then the week after that, Eric is going to be talking about the gathering. But today, today we get to talk about children. And I've said before, family dedication is one of my favorite things that we do here at MCC because parents and family and friends think through how to strategically, how to intentionally raise their children in homes that help them know how much Jesus loves them and how they can love them, how they can love him back. And I think, you know what kind of blows me away every time I think about that or when we sing songs like we did is regardless of how much I love my children and my grandchildren, Jesus loves them more than that. He loves them more than even we love them. And that's important for us to remember, but it's also important for our kids and our grandkids to get that growing up. Children are awesome. For those of you who have newborns, you are in for a a great time. And those of us who have older children or even grown children with their own children, we have some experience with that great time. Uh, I was reminded recently on Facebook um, of some of those great times, so I thought I'd show you a couple pictures of parents who made their children cry and why they were crying. So check this out, right? Right? I I mean, uh, I think we've all been there, right? Sure, 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 sure. Uh, A woman was sharing one of those, uh, (laughs) a mom was sharing one of those really cute moments. She said her little boy had come home from second grade, uh, first day in second grade, and said, Mommy, what's sex? That threw her off a little bit. Second grade seemed a little bit young to be talking about that. But uh, she wanted to be honest and, you know, it's always been important to her to be, you know, real. And so she gave him this detailed explanation. Well, he was kind of surprised and taken back. He pulled out this enrollment form. He said, how am I supposed to get all that in that little box right there? You know? (laughs) Listen, we're going to get some of those wrong. Today I want to share with you something that we as parents and adults who have children around us, we have to get right. This is something we have to get right. Christian psychologist uh, Gary Smalley co-wrote a book with John Trent entitled The Blessing. Their opening paragraph uh, for that book is in our notes, the version notes. If you've got that open, follow along with me. They wrote, all of us long to be accepted by others. Now out loud we may say, I don't care what other people think about me, but on the inside, We all yearn for intimacy and affection. This yearning is especially true in our relationship with our parents. Gaining or missing out on parental approval has a tremendous effect on us, even if it's been years since we've had any regular contact with them. In fact, what happens in our relationship with our parents can greatly affect all our present and future relationships. So think about that in your own life. 
Now think about that in the lives of children around you. We all have this thing in common. We all long for the love and praise of our parents. It's what Smalley and Trent called the blessing. So I want us to consider this incredible opportunity that we have here at MCC to bless not just our children, but the children that are around us in life. Uh, because we all have the opportunity to impact children. And as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, listen, we have a duty to fulfill that responsibility. I do want to make sure you catch this because we believe this here at MCC. No one, and so it's in your notes because I want to make sure you take it home. No one is more uh, equipped to encourage, support, and motivate children than, you know who it is? It's their parents. Therefore, we have to be intentional about bestowing that blessing on them. But what does that mean? What does that mean to bless a child? Realistically, practically, how do we do that? Well, Jesus is going to show us, uh, in very practical terms, things you can do today, uh, or continue to do, I hope, uh, in our verses this morning. So if you have your Bible with you, Mark 10 is where we are. The verses are in, on the YouVersion app, also uh, on the screen. Check this out, Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom uh, belongs. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. You know, it was natural for uh, parents, especially Jewish moms, to want to have their children blessed by a distinguished rabbi, especially uh, on birthdays. They would, on their birthdays, they would take kids to, see, to be blessed by the rabbi. And the words that we have here in Mark tell us that some of the children were infants being carried in the arms of their mom, and others were children old enough to walk around, and Jesus welcomed all of them. And it's in how he blesses them that we see how we can bless children as well today. So, uh, when, so we talk here at MCC, if this is your first time, we talk about living on mission. And what we mean is this is how we live out our faith. In real practical terms, when we read a text, here's how we put that into play. So I bless children through meaningful touch. That's one way we live on mission. In our verses, these parents bring their kids to Jesus. Verse 13 says, so that he can place his hands on them. Verse 16 says that he took them in his arms. He put his hands on them and blessed them. Now, that need for touch doesn't stop with children. And often, Jesus communicated his love for adults in the same way. Just later in the Gospel of Mark, or, or excuse me, earlier in the Gospel of Mark, we read, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, filled with compassion, reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. What I want you to notice is Jesus didn't heal that guy and then touch him. He could have. He could have done it that way. He didn't. He touched him first and then he healed him. Listen, leprosy, I know that's a, a kind of like a foreign idea for those of us in the 21st century. But leprosy was a communicable disease. To touch a leper, especially in the first century, was unthinkable. No one did that. Uh, in fact, it's likely this man hadn't experienced any kind of meaningful touch whatsoever for years, maybe decades of his life. But Jesus recognized his need for love and acceptance, and he touched the man before healing him to prove his value. I don't know if you can imagine how important that simple act of touch of Jesus' hand, what that meant to that guy. You know, touch is an important part of our culture as well. 
when a boy meets a girl and they hold hands, it shows that they're drawn to one another. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, hope, uh, I hope we have boys and girls in the room holding hands this morning. Sandy and I still do, still do that. We've been married 39 years, and she still can't keep her hands off of me. Uh, <laughs> except probably today. Uh, when businessmen <laughs> shake hands, it demonstrates that they, they trust each other. When a bride and groom, the most important commitments they make to each other in their wedding ceremony, they're holding hands when families get together. Like over the holidays, especially if they haven't seen each other for a long time, sometimes they, they will grab each other's hands as, as a sense of unity and love. Uh, years ago, uh, before my dad passed away, uh, he had a heart attack. I went to Columbus to be with him and mom. And when I was with dad in the cardiac care unit, part of what I found myself doing while he laid in that bed with all the beeps and wires, I just stood there with my hand on his shoulder. I just wanted him to know that somebody was with him in that moment. Listen, meaningful touch communicates warmth and affirmation and attention and acceptance, and studies show that it actually improves our health. On the other hand, the absence of physical affection can produce loneliness and resentment and insecurity. Parents, we need to understand that meaningful touch goes a long way when it comes to blessing our kids. And I don't know about you, but that was our family. When our kids were little, uh, you, there were times you would have found all four of us on the sofa doing stuff. You would have found us at times all snuggled up in one bed. Uh, sometimes when someone was minding their own business, sitting in the lazy boy, they were bombarded by two delinquent teenagers. The chair was known to tip over from time to time, and they think I've forgotten. Uh, from the gentle holding of a little child to tucking kids into bed at night to kissing them on the cheek. All of this tells them you are valued. And meaningful touch does not stop when they get their driver's license or they get that, the diploma or their class ring. You know, a, a, a pat on the head, an arm around the shoulder, a hug, a high five can say to our teenagers or grown children, you're important to me. Our son was at our house yesterday watching Ohio State destroy Indiana. And um, <laughs> right before he left, we hugged said good game to each other. Uh, meaningful touch is an essential part of emotional health. And from adults, uh, even from adults other than their parents. Now listen, here's the thing that we have to be careful about. We live in a society where people take advantage of children. We have to be really careful in this area. Uh, that's why all of us have to be careful with the children who are not ours. However, I will say that, you know, as you get to know the family, mom and dad and the children, and you gain trust, you can communicate that love to kids with an arm around the shoulder or, or maybe just a hand on, you know, a hand around them or on their arm or even a hug. But you never, 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 never want to force affection on a child. Don't push them away by being too gushy with them. But kids ought to be able to come to church and, and experience expressions of love from other adults. All right, let's move on. I live on mission. We're going to see this in Jesus when I attach a high value to children. I want to make sure you get this because part of our understanding of this passage is when it happens in Jesus's life. Jesus is on a journey. He's on his way somewhere. He's on his way to Jerusalem when this happens. And in Jerusalem, he's going to be crucified. And that helps us understand why the disciples were keeping the children away in all likelihood, even though they didn't understand. They had no idea that's what was about to happen. But they did pick up that Jesus was starting to get a little tense, that there was something 
going on. He was upset about something. And so they didn't want him to be bothered. And they couldn't conceive that he would want children around him at a time like this. I'm going to assume you've had times like that. Uh, something big is on the horizon. You are focused, concentrating on something at work or some project that you're working on. And the last thing you want to be is bothered, especially by children running around your feet. The cross also helps us understand how much Jesus puts value on these children. Verse 14 says that when Jesus saw that what they were doing, he was indignant. The message version says that Jesus was irate and he let them know it. In Jesus' day, children were little more than a nuisance to many people. They were overlooked. Their opinions or wishes were certainly not important to the adults in the room. And as usual, Jesus turned popular opinion over on his head by saying, not only do people need to appreciate children, they need to become like children. Their honesty, their purity, their simple faith. In short, he valued them, which is something that all children need to learn that they are a valuable treasure to us. Ross Campbell in his book, How to Really Love Your Teenager, wrote, a parent's first responsibility is to make the child feel genuinely loved. The second responsibility is to be the authority figure and the disciplinarian. Can I just say, the second part works better if you've got the first part working for you? If, if the most important thing to you is making sure your child feels loved uh, and accepted, the, the responsibility for discipline becomes a little bit easier. Psalm 127 reminds us that children are God's best gift. And we need to show our kids that we place a high value on them. So how do we do that? You ready? A couple of ways. I attach high value to children when I communicate respectfully. Which, by the way, there's more to communication than just words. We listen attentively when they talk. We look at them in the eye rather than looking at our phone when they're talking to us or asking us a question. When they're asking a question... Refuse to talk down to them. Engage them in that conversation. I'm wondering how many parents found out what we did. When our kids were little and growing up, man, bedtime was the best time to talk to them. They're tucked in the safety of their room. The lights are dim. Can't really see each other's faces. So they're a little more vulnerable in those moments. A great conversation can take place. They're more likely to be transparent. Plus, it's an excuse to stay up a little bit later. So it helps you know them want to. So perceptive parents make the most of those kind of moments. Sandy was great at that with our kids. I also attach high value when I spend time with them. Listen, children don't understand that if you hear people talk about the quality time and quantity time, our kids, they don't understand the difference. They need quality time, and they need a lot of it, all right? Uh, I have a lot of regrets when it comes to parenting. There were times when I was impatient. I know I raised my voice too much. I know I disciplined in anger at times instead of being patient and loving. But this is an area where I made a decision early. I had seen too many preacher's kids growing up without a dad because he would be gone almost every night of the week. And so early I made this promise to myself, I made it to Sandy, and I made it to God that our children would not grow up without a dad. And there are other ways. You can share their interests. You can keep your word to them. But we need, to, we need to validate them that way. Listen, uh, I want to give you one more way that we live on mission by blessing our kids. It's when we give them constant uh, affirmation. There's another, uh, this story is told also in Matthew, or at least a very similar story. And in Matthew 19, it says this, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. By the way, I don't think this just happened one time in Jesus' ministry. I think this happened multiple times. 
But look at verse 15. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. That Greek word, by the way, means to fervently bless them. It expresses the interest level of Jesus in the life of these children. But it expresses this verbal blessing that was given to them. You ever been to a kid's soccer game or basketball game or football game or baseball? Have you ever been to a kid's game uh, before? When they serve, a, when, they, when they score or they block or make a catch or block a, a shot, what do they do? Where do they look? Where's the first place they look? They're looking in the stands. Are they looking in the stands because the coach is there? No. Who's up in the stands? You are. And they're wanting to know, did I just make mom or dad proud? Did I make grandma and grandpa proud? They need to know, right, that you didn't miss that moment because you're on your cell phone or you were talking to somebody, that you were paying attention. And if you watch at a ball game, especially of young children, if they make a mistake on the field, where do they look? Up in the stands. They want to know if they disappointed you. They want to know if you're ashamed of them. They want to know if you're still cheering for them uh, out on the field. Now, there's balance in all that. I'm not suggesting we never confront our kids, that we never challenge them to improve, kind of like the kid who brought home his report card. He had report card had one D and five Fs. His dad said, son, I think you're spending too much time on that one subject. Uh, but some children, <laughs> but some children grow up hearing things like, you'll never amount to anything. You are so lazy, I have no idea what it's going to take to get you straightened out. Instead, when they're little, we need to reinforce characteristics in our children that we want them to develop. By the way, that's one of my favorite parts of family dedication is the letter that parents write to their kids that they will then give to them when they're 18 years old. A letter that's been written by your parents when you were born and you're receiving it at 18 and you're talking to them about the characteristics of Christ that you want to see grow in them. You're such a good encourager. You have such a kind heart. You are so brave at the doctors today, affirming those things that you see in them that you just want to encourage them to do even better. Might even talk about their future career. You're really good with people. You would make a good doctor. You're so good with kids. I bet you would be a great teacher. You, you take such good care of your dolls. You're going to be a good mom someday. You have such a way with animals. I bet you'd make a great veterinarian. You sure like to talk. I bet you could be a pastor one day. Listen, we, we have... We have the opportunity to set the tone for their future uh, and for their eternal destiny. Listen, at MCC, in case you were wondering, we, we don't baptize infants. We only baptize those who are old enough to understand what sin is and to be able to repent of their sin and confess their faith in Christ. But we do family de dedication for parents who want to make a commitment to God that they will raise their child in a God-honoring and Christ-centered home. So parents, grandparents, adults in general, we bless our children and the children around us when they see that we are connected with Jesus and when we help them connect as well. But here's the reality. Please take this as a warning. It's not what they see. Uh, or excuse me, it's not, it's, it's not what we say. It's what they see. Now make sure you get that. It doesn't make any difference what you say. It's what they see. They're, the child wants to know what's really important to us. That's how they figure it out. They're watching to hear what kind of words you use. That, that says something to them. They're watching to see what kind of places you go. It doesn't make a difference what you say. If they see you going places that you ought not. Uh, they're watching to see what kind of things you do. They're watching to see whether church is a place you go or it's something that you are. 
Remember in verse 15, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I'm going to remind you of something I just said a moment ago. Jesus turned popular opinion on its head by telling people they not only needed to appreciate children, but they needed to become like them, their honesty, their purity, their simple faith. But we want to bless our children by giving them an example to follow. But I think it's also worth remembering, and I just want to say, according to Jesus, they have an example for us to follow as well. And maybe the hope is that as followers of Jesus, and as we follow, we don't just get older as we follow him, but somehow we become more like children in our following as well.